Thank you, Graham, for your introduction there tonight with the music and praise. And good evening and welcome to Moody's Burn here uh, this evening. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see Jesus. That's my prayer tonight. We will see Jesus. And we'll read about a man who saw Jesus and he needed to see Jesus. I want to start by asking you a question and planting a thought in your mind. What kind of person would you say you are? In the community here in this fellowship, are you a caring person? Would you say you're a loving person? Are you a quiet person? Are you a chatty person? Are you a assertive person? Are you a team worker? What's your role? How would you best describe yourself? That's quite a tricky question. Tonight we're going to look at the first section of Acts chapter 9. If we will look, and it presents primarily about the the conversion of Saul of Tarsus and that's what it is about and we'll, we'll certainly do that and we'll look at Saul but I want to look at the second character in this event primarily and I want to drive towards this man called Ananias the highly renowned Scottish theologian William Barclay once said that Saul was a famous hero of faith and Ananias was a forgotten hero of faith. I think that's very true. Not very much is said about it, but what we will read, I'm going to use that as a key to unlock an amazing man here that was used by God to lead Saul into his, his conversion here at this key moment in Saul's life. This man was used by God at this key moment. His first steps that Saul would take this unknown man, this forgotten man today, probably in church circles too, relatively speaking, was selected by God. What will we find out about not only Saul, but of course this man called Ananias? Before we go into it, let's just read the first 17 verses. I'm reading from the NIV, so if you've got a different version, I'm sure we'll still get there. Acts chapter 9, 1 to 17. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he may find any there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he may take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell on the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sign but did not see anything. Saul got up from the ground and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument 
to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show how much you must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went to the house, entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you are coming here, ascend me so you may see again. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales that fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up and was baptised. I just want to collect our thoughts tonight in just about 20 or 25 minutes into three main headings here. Saul the persecutor, Saul the convert, but Ananias the faithful servant. The background of course to this chapter 9 in Acts of previous 8 chapters. Chapters 1 and 2 is all about the Holy Spirit coming upon the church and a great explosion of Christianity. Thousands are added, many are added daily to the church. First two chapters. Chapter 3 to the beginning of chapter 9 where we read, Satan carries out a ferocious persecution of the church. I know Sandy and I've known Graham more recently. I know what you do here is good works. And I've read the website. There's a good testimony here. But be aware, Satan will try and carry out ferocious, ferocious persecution on this place. If he can, he will try and stop the good works you're doing. Chapter 7, Stephen is martyred. Chapter 8, verse 1, Saul enters the page of scripture. Approves of this. Verse 8, Verse 3, chapter 8, Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women, putting them into prison. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, he writes, I was a Pharisee, zealous in persecuting the church. Saul is so honest about what he has done. Today we live in an age of grey areas. There is no black and white. Don't worry if you think you've got things wrong. It will work itself out. Just go with the flow today in the world. Saul is saying, no, we must make sure our sins are stated and cleared before God. And he states it to this church forum for all to read. I'm not sure how open I would be, <laughs> to be honest, with my sins in my life. I don't know how open you would be. But Saul is very open. He doesn't blame anyone. doesn't blame the people he was with for the previous Pharisees or blame the church or religion. I was zealous in persecuting the church. Such honesty here. What was the outcome of this persecution? Did the church die? Did it frizzle up? Was that the end? Well, as we know in verse 1 of chapter 3, many were scattered through Judea, Samaria. The first embryonic signs of the spreading of the word came here. First embryonic signs as we know today of worldwide mission. The word that spread, the church moved, the church grew. And the church still is doing that today. Verse 7 of chapter 6, So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased. In spite of the persecution, don't be put off by persecution today, even in this place. Because in Saul's time, the number of disciples increased rapidly. It wasn't slow. And many became obedient to faith. That's briefly the background to Saul the persecutor. Saul the convert, I need to say something about this. On his road to Damascus, the light comes, he hears a voice, why are you persecuting me? Notice that Saul says, Lord, who are you? Lord, you see, remember that Saul knew the Torah. He read the Torah. He knew about God. 
He read about God. He knew about the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Old Covenant. But he realises now that Jesus is alive. He's heard the voice. And it's a shattering realisation for Saul when he looks back in his life. His life is a sham. No matter how how successful people seem to be today materially, from an eternal perspective, if people don't have Christ in their life, their life on earth is a sham. And Saul knew that. He was blinded. He didn't eat or drink for three days. You see, Saul has been broken. He's a broken man. He's a humbled man. And for people to come to the Lord in Saul's day, and it's still the same today, people need to be broken. I was broken in my late 20s. Praise the Lord. God broke me. And he humbled me. And praise the Lord, I've never looked back since. It may raise the question, what kind of people does God save? Then I had a conversation with a man once um, he was a non-believer and I was telling some people I knew of that became a Christian while in prison. The man I shared with him was the story about Reggie Cray. This was this year, July edition. Reggie Cray, the notorious London gangster, served life in the Parkhurst prison. A born-again minister, evangelical minister called Ken Stollard visited Reggie Cray every week and shared his faith with Reggie Cray. Reggie Cray died in the year 2000 of cancer. Five years prior to that, Reggie Cray put his trust in the Lord and confessed his sins. He was a broken man through this minister witnessing to him in prison. If he could do it for Reggie Cray, the Lord could do it for Saul. And this man, Reggie Cray, wrote many letters to his friends and family to say life had changed. The prison staff said the last five years of his life, he was a role model prisoner. Notorious gangster. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. The good, those who think they're good. This man I was sharing this with, he thought people were too bad. He said, I'm concerned about the bad people are becoming Christians. (laughs) Bizarre was that. Clearly, he was in darkness. There's no doubt that when Saul was saved that day, some dramatic things happened suddenly. That's what the word said. The flashing light, the voice of God, the loss of his sight. These are quite sudden. But many commentators suggest, and I would be of this view, that Saul's conversion was a gradual process of a great work of grace in Saul's life over many years. I would be of that view. And Saul endorses that because in Acts chapter 26, 14, it gives us more of a wee bit of an insight into his thinking in the Damascus Road. Because he said it is hard to kick against the goads. Goads were prodding sticks that farmers used to control the wild animals and move them from one pen into another. And he's giving a picture, God is a farmer with a prodding stick, prodding Saul constantly to control this raging bull. And he'd been doing it since Saul was a teenager. I don't think God just had a sudden notion of Saul would be the man he would use. I only don't feel God did that, although I do know that God does save people just like that. Remember the parable of the man who's looking for the treasure in the field he wasn't looking for. Still found it. People who fight against God, they're like a raging bull. 
And that's what Saul is saying. It's hard. People who are not with Christ today, whatever they may say, whatever we may see of them, their life is hard. And if we're not for God, we're against God. Isaiah says that the way of the transgressor is hard. I want to move on to Ananias, because I said he's another character here, the faithful servant. Verse 12 of chapter 22 now, is the only other reference to Ananias. And here's what Saul says to, about Ananias later. Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law, a highly respected by all the Jews living there. Let me repeat that. Ananias was a spiritually devout man. He was a highly respected man. He was a faithful man. He was righteous. He was committed to God. You see, Ananias had a good testimony. Sometimes I get challenged when I read that. Do I have a good testimony in my life? Do people just see me driving out to church on a Sunday? Quite a nice guy, Jack, that is some way he goes. You know, that's a challenge for you, I believe, too. Do you have a good testimony? Ananias did. And I believe that's why God used them. Does the church have a good testament today? I am sure, and I know, as you know, many of our big national churches don't have a very good testament. I'm sure your place here, God's place in Middlesbrough, does have a good testament. That's a challenge. Remember regarding a good disciple, Jesus said in Luke 9, if you want to be a good disciple, you must deny your cross daily and follow me. I hear people say if they've got problems and issues in their life, it's like carrying a cross. That's not what Jesus was meaning here. The symbol of the cross was much deeper. It was a symbol of death. With to die daily to self and live to Christ. Die to our own wills, our own desires, our own wants. That is not easy. We need to do it daily. We can be strong today, going to work tomorrow, at school tomorrow. It's not quite as easy. God had a commission for Ananias. Verse 11, God told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street. You'll see a man called Saul of Tarsus, for he is praying. Two questions for you. I wonder how Saul was praying, and I wonder what he was praying for. I am sure Saul's days of praying like a Pharisee, his Pharisaical prayers were over. Do you remember Luke 19, the Pharisee went to the temple and said, I am glad I'm not like all these other people, these evil people, these taxpayers, tax collectors. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I have. That's the way Saul used to pray. But there was a tax collector at a distance, beating his breast, and didn't even feel able to look to heaven, saying, Lord, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need to pray that every day. You should pray that every day. God have mercy on me. I am sure Saul was praying a prayer like that for the first time. God have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. And I'm sure too Saul is pouring out his repentance of his sins. The way he persecuted the church. He regarded himself as the chiefest among sinners. The stoning of Stephen and many others. He's pouring out confessional sins to God. I need to do that every day. I don't think I do that enough. And I'm sure too his prayers will be like praising and worshipping God. But when I and I gets the commission to go, 
Ionai says to God, but I've heard the reports, God, it's when you've been told to go to an ISIS leader in London. You say, wait a minute, has God got this right? Am I going to talk to Saddam Hussein if he was still here, Ben Laden? You know, sometimes we think we know better than God. Sometimes we think God doesn't have the big picture. God says, go, Ananias wants to wait. Sometimes we want to wait and God says, go. We can have the debate with God. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's good. If God is asking you to do something, have the discussion with God. It's good to communicate to God. Remember when God said to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him the people of Israel will be delivered. And the first thing Moses said to God, but do you, know, do you not know who I am? One question, Moses, it's not about you. It's about God. And he got the penny dropped quickly because he said to God, who will I say you are? Because they're going to ask. And he tells them. But he said to Moses, I will go with you. You see, Ananias had to learn that God was going to go with him. You're not going yourself, Ananias. You're not serving God yourself today. God is going with you. Second time, this was a heart changer for Ananias. Verse 15, this man is my chosen instrument. That was a heart changer and a mind changer. To proclaim my name to the Gentiles or kings and the people of Israel. The penny dropped and Ananias knew he had to step out with God. I'm going to suggest to you, as we move towards the conclusion of Ananias, there were five blessings Ananias was to Saul. The first one is, he was a good neighbour. He goes and he draws alongside Saul in that house, knocking the door, shaking, probably trembling, and he sits down or he kneels down beside God. You know, I need to draw alongside more people tonight in my life. That's a challenge. We need to draw alongside people. Ananias did that. Secondly, total acceptance. What does he do? He places his hands on Saul. The first thing he says, Brother Saul. It's the first word Saul hears as a born again Christian. Acceptance and love into God's fellowship. What a lovely expression by this man, Ananias. If a gang leader from Glasgow, released from prison over many years, came to a church in the Glasgow area this Sunday, I wonder if people would receive them like that. I wonder if people would sit down and draw alongside total acceptance. Third blessing was he was not judgmental to Saul. He didn't say, Saul, you better watch out. You're lucky to be here where you are. After the life you've lived, you better watch out. God's got your eye, his eye on you now. Total non-judgmental. Accept Saul for where he is. I need to accept more people the way Ananias did. Maybe stop criticising some people that I see in the world today. Stop criticising some of the people that we see in the press. Verse 19. Here's a question for you. After this happened, Saul gets baptised. Here's a question. Who baptised Saul? I won't ask you to give me an answer. I would be astonished if it wasn't Ananias. If it wasn't, I don't know who it was. Maybe Judas, maybe someone else in that house. I would be astonished if it wasn't Ananias. But we're not told. Maybe it's a humbling factor to this man, Ananias. And finally, we then read the verse, in verse 19, 
He provides hospitality to Saul, feeds him, gives him refreshments. Hospitality is not quite as common today as it used to be. When I was younger, we were taken out to all kind of churches, we cooked meals, my parents did and so on. I know we go out for coffee and we want to have meals and that is good, that's a culture we're into, that is good, keep doing that. It's important we do that. Five blessings, if you include the baptism, Ananias, forgotten hero of faith, was to Saul taking his first steps in faith. Can you relate to Ananias tonight? I'm sure you can. I can. Are you an Ananias tonight in Buddhist Are you working behind the scenes, serving Christ, opening up the church hall, making lunches, visiting the sick, sending cards, texts, hospital visits, carrying out tasks unselfishly? Many churches are doing the Christmas shoebox appeal coming up for Christmas. I know many, many people do these, working quietly away. Can you relate to this man, Ananias? What a lovely man this is. I'm beginning to see the picture now of why God used this faithful servant, this righteous, humble, quiet, living man. But there was also two blessings that Saul was to Ananias, very importantly. Ananias hears about God's commission for Saul, the first person Verse 15, this man is my chosen instrument, we read it earlier, to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, the kings, the people of Israel. Ananias is the first person who hears this. You know, Saul had never heard of the New Testament and the Gospels, neither had Ananias. Saul was going to go on and write 25% of the New Testament through his letter of pastoral teaching and prison epistles. Ananias is the first man who hears this, the first man who gets a glimpse. What a blessing that must have been. Ananias. But there's more because in verse 19 of it read on Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Verse 20, and at once he began to proclaim in the synagogues that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Could you imagine Ananias sitting there with these fellow Jewish believers, converts in the synagogues in Damascus hearing Saul preach for the first time but his background life as a raging bull becoming a Christian seeing the light Jesus is the son of God, I have seen him what a blessing that must have been for Ananias I wonder how Ananias took that story on in his own life yet God remained silent you know, he kind of humbles Ananias but what a powerful way God uses him I can, hopefully I can relate hopefully you're encouraged by that you know, I'm sure God has used you in the past powerfully, but he's going to humble you in the process and keep you quiet and even break you at times. That's what he did with this man, Ananias, the forgotten hero of the Christian faith. The time to wrap up and conclude, you know, I've heard people say, I've never had a Damascus Road experience, you know, it's just not been like that for me. I just came to Christ at Sunday school and a wee fellowship with this or a neighbour at Sunday school. You know, there's no doubt there were exceptional things happen suddenly. The voice of Christ and the noise, the light, the loss of vision, these were quite dramatic. But there's no doubt that we need to hear the voice of God. We need to be broken. These are not, these are typical. And they are exceptional. Every conversion is exceptional. Your story is an exceptional story. You know, you're up there with Ananias and we all are. You know, there's no levels of conversion here. We're all at the very top level. I mean, brought to Christ. You don't need to have been 
having all these sudden things happening to you on the road. But I'm quite sure maybe in your own life, you, like Saul, God has been working in your life and has brought you to that point of faith. Let me just finish. Challenge then, Sir Ananias was asked to go somewhere. Maybe there's somebody here who needs that challenge of conversion. And then baptism, maybe it's service for many of us. God's asking you to do something this week. Visit someone, someone's in your mind. You've maybe left and neglected, maybe you need to contact them. There's lots of these challenges there coming through. And let me just conclude on this final point, getting back to Saul again. All about Saul up to this point of his life and onwards. It's all about the word new. All newness. Because after this, from chapter 13 in Acts, Saul changes his name from the Greek Saul to the Gentile Roman name Paul. Changes his name. He's got a new name. He's got a new nature. He's a new creation. Some, some change in his life. He's got a new relationship with God. He's not a Pharisee anymore reading the Torah. You know... Uh, legalistically he plants new churches in Asia Minor, Galatia as we know, you know uh, Ephesus, Colossae Derbe and Lystra he plants the first church in mainland Europe at Philippi the very church he wrote to said I was zealous as hammering the church he set the church up later on he leads the first convert in mainland Europe Lydia, the trader in, in the purple at Philippi He's got a new mission for life. What an exciting life Paul had. I'm sure we can relate to Ananias. And while so, I'm sure inspires us. That's the beginning of his Christian life, being born again, and the impact he had, and that was goodness conversion. But I really want to highlight and draw on Ananias tonight. You know, this forgotten man. And I've been blessed, I trust me to have been blessed by this forgotten humble servant of God a man called Ananias God bless you thank you Graham